come now to our sermon text from Exodus chapter 20, verse 13. And as we read it, please stand as a sign of reverence. Exodus chapter 20, verse 13. You shall not murder. And now let's turn to Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 to 26. You've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there, remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you'll be put in prison. Truly, I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Thus far, the reading of God's word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for your word, means of grace that equips and refreshes us, that builds us up in in holiness and comfort. And we pray that you now may give us attentive hearts that we hear these words, and that we, that, that your word will go, go out in strength and, and cut to, your, to our hearts and that we will be changed and that we will live to your glory. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. I don't know about you, but <clears throat> I think oftentimes we can say, at least in, in the West here in our land, that um, our culture, our society is, is quite confused. On one hand, we, we look around and we see that culture, um, our culture has a, gives a high priority to, to life. Many people are very uh, concerned about the health. They, they have different diets and, and go to the gym and do all sorts of things. Um, I'm sure you heard about the Titanic submarine um, incident or, or tragedy that went out to, to this expedition and, and got lost, and they lost contact um, to that submarine. And they started this, this rescue mission, and they invested time and, and, and money and technology to, to find them, those five people in that submarine. No, nobody said... Tough luck, or I couldn't care less. No, people were concerned about their lives. And when they couldn't find them, we were sad. People were sad about that, and they declared it a catastrophe. Why? Because life is precious, and we don't want to waste life. But on the other hand, we see we live in a culture of death a very cruel and sad notion of, of disregard for life. Um, the, nowadays, the, the ethic 
scholars in, in universities talk about life. When, whenever you are losing your independency, then, then you lose your right to live. Unborn babies that are dependent have no right to live and being aborted. Old people who are dependent on, on other people um, in this worldview lose their right to live. We, we, we see our society, society is confused. They have no clear understanding of life. And so the need for this sixth commandment, you shall not kill, is needed more than ever. But before we go to the implications of that commandment, we, we need to ask the question, why? Why is it so wrong to kill? Why is it wrong to murder? What is the theological principle that is at work here? And, and to answer that question, Verse 6 says, whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. Now we know that phrase and we can ponder upon what it means all day. It's, it's just a magnificent doctrine. It's a wonderful, wonderful doctrine. And it, and it means in, in short that divine glory rests on every human being. Like, like an artist who signs his, his masterpiece, God put his stamp on us and said, you are very good and you ought to reflect me. And indeed, we all reflect God in a certain degree. But so does creation. We read that the heavens declare the glory of God in Psalm 19. Animals declare the glory of God. Mountains, the sky, the heavens, the sun. Everything declares the glory and the power and wisdom of God in a certain way, but, but not like man. God, God says human life is sacred. Human life is different than anything else. We are rational beings. We are creative beings. We, we have desires. We, we are eternal. We are personal and because we are personal, we, we, we long for love. Because we are eternal, we, we want to last forever. Because we are rational, we want to know things and, and get to, to the bottom of things. And God, he, again, he loves everything. He's loving toward all that he had made. But there's something special about human life. And God expresses it and says, in, the, in, in Genesis 9, verse 6, in a, in, in a certain way, God, uh, life is priceless. I sometimes asked, or I, I did ask with our first baby, um, playfully, would you be willing to give her away for a million dollars? And the answer is, is obvious. Of course not. Of course not. She's our flesh and blood, she's, she's our daughter. She's so precious to us. She's, she's priceless. For, 
no amount of this in this world would we give her away. Does it change with our second or third child? Do they get less valuable? Actually, I, I did not dare to ask so far, but of course not. They are all, they are all precious to us. And this is just talking about giving them away, but killing them for money? This is outrageous. And God declares this when he says, whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. This is a tremendous advancement, or advance to the dignity of every individual. Nothing can pay for human life. And if you... If you take human life, you need to pay with the same currency, with, with blood that you shed. And, and there used to be, and there still are, societies and cultures where this is not the case. Women are less valuable than men. Poor people are less valuable than rich. State, state, your status makes all the difference. Even in this country, as we've seen, born and unborn makes all the difference. But God says, whatever your ethnicity, whatever your status, status, whatever your look, you are made in my image, in the image of God, and therefore you are priceless. And thus an assault on, on, on someone, or yourself for that matter, is an assault on God, a crime against God himself. And in fact, if you take away this doctrine, the image uh, be us being made in the image of God. If you're consistent in an, an, an unbeliever is consistent in his worldview, he has no resources, he has no answers to why is, is it wrong to murder. Then we are all a bag of chemicals. Then we are not, no different than, than animals. Why is it wrong to kill each other? They have no answer. But if we are made in the image of God, then every individual is sacred. And there's dignity that is bestowed upon us. That is why when we see uh, pictures of, of, of little children starving, it, it, it tears our heart. If we are made in the image of God, then we have dignity. And to dishonor and attack the image of God is to attack God himself. Thomas Watson, an English Puritan preacher, he, he put it like this. He said, whenever you harm a human being, whether it's emotional or spiritual or physical, he says, whenever you harm a human being in his humanness, you, 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 you are tearing God's picture. You're tearing God's picture. This is why it is wrong to murder because it's an attack on God himself. Now, we can't come to this sixth commandment and we can't fall into, into a temptation or a danger that is very easily to fall into. First of all, we can, we can come to this very short commandment that seems very easy to fulfill, so it seems, and on and, and one hand, we can approach it and say, every form of killing is forbidden. Every form of killing is wrong. There's no circumstance in life in which we are allowed to kill. But that's not what it's saying here. The Hebrew term that's used here is speaking of a specific kind of murder. 
Hebrew has at least six different terms to express uh, the different forms of killing. And this here describes an intentional premeditated homicide. That is what we would call murder. It is, it is not used for capital punishment, for judicial execution, or even self-defense. It, is, it, it speaks about intentional manslaughter, homicide, suicide, abortion, all these things. But there's another danger. We, we can approach this commandment and say, of course, this is wrong. Murdering other people is wrong. Killing other people is wrong. The Pharisees understood that. The Pharisees approved that. And if I ask you, did you, even, did you ever murder someone? I'm, I'm pretty sure it's safe to assume that no one here ever killed someone. Don't answer that. And you can come like the Pharisees to this commandment and say, of course abortion is, is wrong. It's terrible. Look at all these people out there, these depraved and, and wicked people who have no regard for life. And, and it's true, and it's, 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 it's our right to, to think like that. But the temptation is to stop here and only to think about them, to think the problem is, is out there and not, not in here. And, and this is what Jesus, when he picks up this commandment in the Sermon of the Mount, is, is telling them. This commandment speaks about you and speaks about me. They, they had the wrong interpretation of, of this commandment. And, and Jesus is not only the fulfiller of the commandment, but the, the best interpreter. And he gives us the interpretation, and he's saying to them that they did not grasp the fundamental principle of this law. It is not about those out there. It's about your heart. Murder starts within you. And he cuts to the root of it. It's not just about you shall not murder. But it condemns our actions and our motives. And Jesus gives them two examples in Matthew chapter 5. He gives two examples or, or Two litmus tests, if you, if you want to say so. And he says, you either can attack or you can ignore. And both fall, on, fall under the judgment of, of this commandment. Listen to how he explains the way we attack through anger. He says, whoever says to his brother, or, or in our translation it says, whoever insults his brother. But it says in, a, in another translation, whoever says to his brother, raka. That's the Greek, in, in the Greek, that's an Aramaic word, actually. Will be liable to the council. Now, now raka is, is an Aramaic word that means literally empty-headed. Means you say to someone, you are nothing. You are nobody. I, I dismiss you. I have no regard for you. That is a response of, of prideful anger. And, and you would be surprised how often I hear it in, in my own household. We see that with little children all the time. They, they play together and, and, and all of a sudden some, someone has something that the other wants but can't get. And you hear raka or, or something like that. They play together and they, they get frustrated, they get angry and they say, I hate you. 
you're nothing. I wish you weren't here in this, in this very moment. And they get so angry, and, and, and adults do the same thing. They just often keep it to themselves and don't say it out loud. But if you, and I'm sure so many of us have experienced that, you're, you're on, on your way to work and, and you are late and somebody cuts right in front of you. You can, that can, a word slip out of your tongue, uh, your mouth very quickly. Or your spouse does something wrong. Your children don't obey. You, you get angry so quick. And you burst out in anger. He gives you another example. If you say to your brother, you fool. This doesn't proceed from pride, simply pride, but spiritual pride. This, is, this word was used in the context of religious hypocrites. It was a word by which you, you could say to somebody, as far as God is concerned, you're spiritually useless. You're beyond hope. You, you are a fool. And you lash out in anger. Anger is the first form of murder. It, it starts within you. It comes from your heart. Envy is another form. We, we see Satan envied our parents and did not rest until he procured her de- their death. Joseph's brothers were en- en- envied him and, and, and they plotted to kill him. Cain envied Abel and, and killed him actually with his hands. Often it starts with discontent with God and then, and then spills over to, to envy and, and hatred and, and anger. The Pharisees hated Christ because he excelled them in everything and they, they plotted to kill him. There are so many ways in which we can murder one another in our hearts. And Jesus gives us an, another example. It is by ignoring a very passive form. Verse 23, he talks about a religious man who is in the temple ready to bring sacrifices. But he remembers while he's there that he has a, a broken relationship. He has, a, he has an issue with, a, with, a, with another person. But this man here in this text has already, already decided that, that people count less than other things in his life. In fact, he's, it looks like he's trying to compensate and do, do good things to cover up those bad things in his life. Rather than fixing his relationships, he's already gone doing other things. And Jesus says, don't even try. Don't even try. Of course, life is complex and there are, there are situations where we can't fix it right away. But this is, this is a good principle. And this is a man who, who reveals his heart. People are nothing to him. Again, Thomas Watson, he said there are 12 different ways in which we can kill one another. And we're not going through all of them. But he says, for example, with your hand, Cain murdered Abel can kill people in your mind, as we have already discussed with anger and hatred. You can kill people with your tongue. Watson said, no physician can heal the wounds of the tongue. Actually, just 
when I came to church and got to the car, my, my oldest daughter asked me, are you going to preach today? And I, I, was, I thought that was a good question. I was waiting for encouragement. I said, yes, I am. And she said, I hate your preaching. It's, <laughs> it's, it's way too long. Um, that one hurt. It's, it's still hurting. Um, but I'll, I'll prove to her I can do better. So let's pray. <laughs> but there are, there are times where we said something. It slips out and, and we, we want to take it back, but it, it's too late. And it's, it's very hurtful. And we see our, uh, uh, our spouse or children or friend, whoever we um, attacked with our words, you see the pain in their face. You can't take it back. It's terrible. You see, we all are murderers. If I ask the question from earlier, did you ever kill someone? Yes, you did. And I did. We, we all are murderers by nature. And Jesus here, he reveals that. And he, he says in verse 25 and 26, he speaks about prison. He says that we are all liable to the council, all liable to judgment, to the hell of fire and, and to prison. And he obviously speaks about hell. And he says that we will never get out until they have paid, that we have paid the last penny. We are all guilty as charged. We are murderers, are liable to, to the council. Did we not anger against God? Did we, had not, did we haven't had hatred against God? Who's, who's going to pay for this debt? Every single penny. The answer is, of course, Jesus. What did God do? He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to pay every single penny. And he shed the blood of his son and paid the debt. And he gave us new hearts, enabling us to follow him. He, he reconciled us to him. The first step to be reconciled to God is, is Jesus Christ. And I like how one theologian expressed it. He says, if you hear the good news of Jesus Christ and you reject it, you commit spiritual suicide. The first step to be reconciled to God is Jesus Christ. And the next step to having reconciliation to one another is Jesus Christ. He is the remedy. He is the solution. And you see him. He stopped and he sought out people. And he touched them and he healed them. And he, he was full of compassion and, and love. It is not only, it is not enough not to be angry, not to envy, not to, to hate. But the positive side of this commandment is to to love our neighbor as ourselves. They must feel, every, everybody who comes into your world must feel honored and valued and, and loved. They must feel that you take them seriously. You're, you're breaking this commandment when you, 
when you treat people with indifference and coldness. So the answer is Jesus Christ, who shed his blood, who paid the debt, who gave us a new heart, who took our murderous heart and gave us a new one, so that we might follow him and his example. Next time that you feel your heart's being inflamed with murderous anger, remember Jesus. For Jesus is the one in whom and through whom and by whom we have been reconciled, so that we might be above all people, known as people of peace, known as people of love. Having been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, let us be also reconciled to to one another so that others might see the peace between us, might see the love that we have for each other and, and, and turn to the one true and living God. Let us always seek to do so for the glory of God. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father and gracious God, we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that he paid for our debt, something that we would never be able to. You sent your Son to live perfectly and yet to die our death. Father, we thank you that he, that he rose again, that he is at your right hand and that he's always interceding for us. We thank you for new hearts. We thank you for your spirit that enables us to call you Father, to, to read your word, to understand your word, and to follow you. Father, help us to put aside all hatred, envy, anger, but instead love one another. So you have loved us. We pray that as we go our ways, that this will be ever before, before us, that we will remember Jesus and, and remember what he did for us and how he loved us perfectly. And we pray all this in his name. Amen.